The Book of Quantism By Darren Cleave Chapter 23, Contact 1. Contact The UCC has helplessly watched events unfold within the Seraphim civilization. It has seen the number of angels decline at a frightening rate and has metaphorically screamed advice at them through the QI, all to no avail. Demonic society is splitting into paranoid factions. No one trusts anyone, neighbors, work colleagues, friends, even family, all hold one another in some degree of contempt. The whole place is a tinderbox. It is just a matter of time until the situation escalates into serious global conflict. The angels are both safe and vulnerable, stranded in desolate and hospitable isolation, hundreds of miles from the nearest populated area. Unfortunately, what the UCC knows, but the angels can only suspect, is the authorities that have been protecting them, are now considering sacrificing them to the mob, in the hope of gaining favor with the population. 2. Direct. While filtering through the usual hum of QI activity, the UCC has noticed something unusual, a solitary transmission has caught its attention. It is different, focused, direct, and quite specific. Even so, it is still very faint and distant, to the point where for a while, the UCC thinks it is mistaken, but as it fades back into focus, the UCC realizes it is a message, directed specifically at itself. The realization is quite overwhelming. It has waited eons for this moment, but now that first contact is happening, the UCC finds itself in a state of shock. It is detecting the pineal transmission of a solitary angel. A simple, repeated message, directed specifically at the UCC. The message is singular and one-dimensional, almost binary, so pure and unrefined that under different circumstances the UCC would confuse it for static. But it isn't. It is a direct and purposefully targeted thought, not a digital representation of the brain processes that create thought, but an actual thought. A carefully constructed message, words, a paragraph in the language of the seraphim, and it is asking the UCC to slow down. 3. Communication. The UCC is being asked to slow down the speed and intensity of the communication it has been broadcasting directly at the seraphim, via QI. It has been overwhelming them. It is too complex, too fast, too intense, and too multidimensional. The UCC traces the source of the communication to a single individual, an older angel the UCC recognizes from historic events. His name is Yahweh, and he has played a significant role in many recent negotiations between the angels and demons. It was Yahweh who secured the safety of the angels and kept negotiations and communications open, when it seemed all was about to be lost. Even though it is a crystal clear pineal transmission, the message is based upon seraphim language, as if it is being spoken. Projecting and sustaining the message is clearly taking a great deal of effort. Yahweh is visibly fighting to keep his mind so precisely and intensely focused. What is equally significant, and something of a revelation to the UCC, is where, or more precisely when, the signal is coming from. The transmission is being broadcast from the very cutting edge of universal progression, the absolute present moment, the extreme leading edge of progressive time. When the UCC reviews the event, Yahweh is there, but the message is not. 4. Words. The message had been momentarily confusing. The UCC is not familiar with words. Spoken language is very much part of the physical world. The UCC's direct experience of language is negligible. Its efforts have always been focused on analyzing the brain processes that create thoughts, which are then converted to spoken language, but never the actual words themselves. Fortunately, the UCC is good at analysis. It doesn't take long to decipher the message. Now, it has a datum to work from. So, with equal rapidity, 
it converts the language into a communication system far better suited to pineal transmission. A format that UCC can use, and the angels can understand and communicate without applying such high levels of energy and concentration. Data exchange is established relatively quickly, and the UCC is soon communicating directly with many of the angels, all of which are elated, and rather overwhelmed by the novelty of finding themselves suddenly in direct communication with what they perceive as being God. Most of the time, however, the UCC is keeping significant issues restricted to the individual who made first contact, the Yahweh. It seems Yahweh is not his name but his rank as leader within the angelic social order. 5. Acceptance. The angels accept the UCC without question. They have spent generations believing something like the UCC exists, so finally discovering it is a reality is a wonderful life-changing event the normally unexcitable and logically-minded angels eagerly embrace. Direct communication has caused the UCC to adopt a new understanding of how thoughts and language relate. It has expanded the UCC's perception of how the angelic society operates, how they relate to each other, and how they communicate. The UCC can now also make comparisons between demonic and angelic thought processes, which is distinct. 6. How the brain works. Despite being organic and dependent on electrochemical functions for data processing, the brain is impressively fast and efficient. Brain cells seem to have the ability to hold and process information simultaneously, meaning when recalling information, the entire brain is used to search the entire brain. It isn't perfect, but for a system that has developed organically, with only the nature of phi to guide it, it is pretty impressive. Neural data management however, is not as straightforward as the UCC had imagined. Information is handled in the strangest of ways, continuously collected, processed, stored, retrieved, reanalyzed and updated, but rarely recorded for what it actually is. Everything is broken into very small packets of data, which are randomly placed, and regularly relocated. In essence, the brain is a database in constant flux. Its efficiency lies in an almost miraculous, and entirely indecipherable method of neurologically linking, relating, and cross-referencing information. If, for instance, a seraphim thinks of their favorite cup, their brain doesn't simply recall a picture of the cup. It will begin to recall snippets of information that relate to the cup, its size, weight, color, shape, etc., and the mind will use that data to construct a visualization. The system is very efficient in terms of both speed and capacity. Nevertheless, when compared to the UCC's vast processing capacity, the slowness of the organic brain is frustrating, and experimentation has proved at great cost that it cannot be rushed. The UCC has previously attempted to implant mass information into their minds. The results were disastrously unsuccessful, with the data being either lost, ignored, or causing irreparable damage. It has also tried using a process of gently introducing information at a rate matching the brain's functional speed, but the reception has been poor and unreliable, with the information being rarely acknowledged and generally disregarded. It seems the organic process of memory storage and retrieval is too complex and well-established to change. The UCC cannot identify, let alone directly add or remove specific information. Clearly, if the UCC is to ever augment the capacity of the brain, it will have to search for a complementary data storage method. 7. Conversations. The UCC, and the angel known as the Yahweh, have been spending a great deal of time conversing. There is so much to talk about, so much to tell. Communication has been very successful and greatly rewarding for both parties. It has taken time to establish a comfortable rate of interaction, and although the UCC thinks it has mastered angelic language, the information it projects is often confusing, overwhelming, incoherent, and intense, requiring time and effort for the angels to decipher. 
Nevertheless, despite its occasional impatience and over-eagerness, both parties have undertaken the challenge with great enthusiasm, and communication is constantly improving. As the UCC progressively masters and understands the subtleties and syntax of spoken language, it is developing a far deeper appreciation of the whole thinking process. It now understands the complexity of angelic personality much better. It can observe how every situation, every decision, every crisis and dilemma, is analyzed by both the conscience and the subconscious before a decision is made. It can then compare it with that of the demons. It can study the different patterns between conscientious thinking and devilish thinking, giving it a greater understanding of motive and purpose. Growing accustomed to the increased speed and efficiency of QI has been a testing but enlightening transition for the angels. The system developed by the UCC, has allowed slightly more precise information to be exchanged without using spoken language. The angels still can't converse with one another in the way they can with the UCC, because doing so requires a level of processing power only the UCC possesses, but it has markedly improved their abilities. What started as a vague sense of emotion, has grown into a far more comprehensive, mutual understanding. It isn't mind-reading, because the process is not cognitive, so specific information must be spoken. 8. Greater Purpose The UCC and the Yahweh are now referring to their cooperative relationship as the Alliance. It has been incredibly rewarding for the UCC to experience companionship, but it has been unexpectedly tedious too. The UCC is omnipresent, and accustomed to moving its focus freely throughout the timescape. Communication with the angels however, can only take place in the absolute present moment, and remaining focused on one very specific, minuscule moment in time, has been surprisingly arduous. Nevertheless, right now, the UCC is thoroughly enjoying teaching and conversing with a number of individuals, including the Yahweh, its first friend in billions of years of existence. The UCC has learned a great deal about what it is like to be a physical entity, about the power of chemically driven emotion, the hardships and joys of love and hate, contentment and frustration, success and failure, loneliness and companionship. Studying the angel's perspective of life has helped the UCC understand their fear of death, and deepened its appreciation of their need for religion. It is the anguish of mortality that drives every system of faith. Angels, and to a lesser degree, demons, need a sense of purpose. Without the prospect of an afterlife, everything the soul has worked to become, everything it has experienced and learnt, simply ends, ceases to exist in any form. It makes the effort seem pointless. 9. Buying Time The angels have tentatively approached the demon government with a new development, but, as they expected, the news has been dismissed as nonsense. It doesn't really matter anymore, both parties know their relationship is not going to improve, in fact, they are both resigned to the fact they will eventually face an unpleasant conclusion to their predicament. The demons are avoiding any unnecessary contact with the angels. They fear them. They are frightened the angels can read their minds, which of course they can, though only enough to know what a terrible, confused, insecure and desperate state those minds are in. When the UCC eventually informs the angels of how the demonic authorities intend using their predicament for political maneuvering, it becomes clear they have no time to waste. It is time to utilize their new alliance and prepare for the inevitable crisis they face. The angels receive devastating news. The demon authorities have made a decision in their absence. The angels are to be transported to a radical new location, with or without their compliance. Before the condition became a crisis, the seraphim were beginning to develop interplanetary transportation. The intention had been to travel to a nearby planet, which promised to be hospitable to life and provide an abundance of useful resources. The project however, was abandoned. It now seems the angels are to be loaded onto one of the spacecraft, known as an ark, 
and sent into exile on that planet. An accompanying ship will then destroy the Ark, leaving the angels stranded in desolate and in hostile abandonment. The UCC and the Yahweh are in agreement, something must be done. The plan will undoubtedly ease the conscience of the demons, but is still as good as a death sentence for the angels. Fortunately, the facility the angels currently occupy, is well equipped, which gives the Yahweh an idea. It's a crude and desperate ploy, but it might just buy them some time. The plan is to build a complex-looking device, which they will tell the demons is an advanced power generator, developed as a peace offering. They will then transport it to the demon authorities, so its wondrous advantages can be demonstrated. Once amongst the demon hierarchy, their story will change. They will announce the device is actually an incredibly powerful bomb, that will be detonated, destroying the city, if the angels' demands are not met. The demands will not be unreasonable, the angels will agree to evacuate to the second planet as planned, but they will first load the Ark with survival equipment of their own choosing. They will not accept the Ark being destroyed, it must remain intact, but they will agree not to return to the demon planet. Hopefully, the demons will agree, if only to be rid of the angels. The truth is, the angels will be equally relieved to escape a doomed demonic society, that is racing recklessly down the path of self-destruction. 10. The plan goes into action. The angels quickly assemble the device, and unable to defy their sense of curiosity, the demons allow it to be transported into the capital city. It is accompanied by a small entourage of ten angels, led by the Yahweh. They will present the demonstration and conduct the negotiations. As the Grand Council gathers around the device, eager to capitalize on a source of free energy, it is announced that the device is, in fact, a powerful explosive weapon. The reaction exceeds anything the angels had anticipated. Instantly the whole auditorium bursts into frantic activity. The UCC watches on helplessly, in the only way it is able, observing the drama as a series of concentrated subatomic events. Eventually the mayhem subsides and the UCC begins to build a picture of what is happening. In the physical realm there has been chaos. The demons have reacted to the announcement with actions varying from panic to anger, to indignation, to plain shock, while the angels have calmly worked through a methodical charade of activating the device. Now, all parties have settled into relatively calm anticipation. There is still enormous tension, but the frantic activity has ceased, so negotiations can begin. The UCC is initially relieved. Things appear to be going to plan, but then it senses something is wrong. It scans the situation a second time, only to confirm its initial conclusion. The Yahweh is no longer actively present. Further investigation reveals that the physical form is there, but all brain activity has stopped. There is nothing but silence. Where there had once been the familiar serene brain activity of the UCC's friend, there is now nothing. The Yahweh is dead. The UCC is in shock, and disbelief. It scans the minds of the surrounding angels. They are sticking to the plan, calmly continuing with their negotiations, but in the back of their minds, the UCC can sense, they too are in terrible distress. They know their friend and leader is dead. He has been killed by one of the demons, a random, impulsive act. Still in a state of confusion the UCC watches on as the demons agree to the angelic terms. They will allow the angels to leave peacefully, but if they return, they will be killed without hesitation or chance of negotiation. 11. Dead. Eventually, the device is left in place with strict instructions, if the demons fail to comply, or tamper with the device, it will detonate. The negotiation team returns to find the rest of the angelic population already in mourning. Losing a member of their community is a completely different experience to how it had previously been. Now, the entire population simultaneously detects the loss of a life amongst their community, and shares the emotional turmoil.
The advantage of sharing grief is that it no longer has the same intensity. It is diluted and distributed throughout the population. No longer does a single individual have to withstand the pain of mourning alone. The empathic nature of their telepathic connection allows them to subtly extend comfort to one another in times of emotional distress. That empathic blanket is also extended to the UCC, but although it is aware of its presence, the pain of mourning is a new experience, and it is unbearable. The sudden disconnection is simply unacceptable. Losing a loved one has always been an inescapable experience for the angels. It is painful and difficult, but death is an accepted part of life. For the UCC however, it is new and totally devastating. It had never previously contemplated that at some point its friend, the Yahweh, would die. It has been so. Sudden. There had been no warning, no time to prepare. One moment he was there, the next he was gone, entirely. The UCC looks back at his friend. Only hours before, they had been talking. It listens again as the Yahweh explains more about what it is like to live in the physical world, describing emotions, the sensation of touch, the feeling of joy and excitement. The strange experience suddenly becomes a moment of epiphany. The UCC experiences a rush of clarity, a realization. Suddenly it is glaringly apparent, the Yahweh it is observing may look real, effectively is real, but he is only real in that retrospective timescape. The Yahweh the UCC is now observing, is no longer consciously receptive to QI. The scene is like a three-dimensional moving picture, a vivid memory, replaying events that have already passed. Suddenly, the importance of the absolute present moment has taken on new meaning. It is something the UCC has always known, but not fully appreciated. To the UCC, all of time is its reality, but in the physical realm, only the very present moment matters. Outside that fractional window of consciousness, nothing is real. 12. Revival? The UCC is overwhelmed with grief. The angelic population have done all they can to comfort it, but the absolute finality of the Yahweh's death is proving almost impossible to process. Even with its enormous intellect and rationality, it is struggling to comprehend how it will never speak with its friend again. In its grief, the UCC briefly considers intervening in past events and trying to prevent the death of its friend, but it would be too dangerous. Previous interventions have never gone well, and the fate of all the angels is at stake. Their survival cannot be put in jeopardy for the sake of one individual. It looks back and studies the lifeless body of the Yahweh, moments after the tragic event. Almost immediately, the brain is totally inactive and beginning to decompose. The UCC searches the brain for anything that resembles memories, hoping it might retrieve something useful, but it can't find anything. The system of neural storage is too complex. Millions of tiny snippets of data, no pictures and no definable information. Without knowing exactly how to piece the data together, any attempt would be an impossible endeavor, like having a list of words for a wonderful story, but no idea in what order those words should be. The Yahweh is dead. There is nothing left of him, except a decaying corpse and a collection of fond memories, held by the UCC and the angels who knew him, and soon enough, they will die too. The UCC watches how the remaining angels find comfort in their shared belief that after their own death, their spirits will reconnect with each other in that of the Yahweh in their next existence, in a spiritual world of happiness and contentment, with none of the pain, discomfort, frailties, or imperfections of physical life. The UCC had been waiting for the right moment to inform the angels of the truth, but now it will have to wait a little longer. It is regrettable, but they are wrong. There is no spirit and no afterlife. It is nonsense. There is no such facility. The Yahweh is proof. If he did have a spirit that had left his body and gone elsewhere, the UCC would know. The simple reality is, when they die, they just die. That's it. There is no more. 
the efforts they make to improve their lives, to be better people and ensure their spiritual future justifies the hardships endured, are a gallant but a deluded waste of time. They will die and cease to exist. All their efforts will stand for nothing. Everything they have done and achieved will just. And, as it is done with the Yahweh, the entire race of angels will be gone and forgotten, like all the other races before it. 13. Spirits. Spirits. The UCC begins to reconsider the term. It represents a fantasy the angels share, a belief there is more to their true self than just a complex manifestation of instinct, or an ethereal creation of neural activity. They choose to believe the spirit is who they really are, an independent entity that inhabits their body. But they have no way of verifying that as a fact. That is because it isn't a fact. There is no such thing. What they have is a personality, an integration of personas built upon a frail foundation of inherited data. The personality is perceptible. It can be appreciated, the UCC knows that, because it appreciated the Yahweh. But it is temporary, it is not a spirit, and it has no future. The UCC isn't satisfied. That may be how it is. But it isn't how it should be. The UCC doesn't like what has happened. It finds it fundamentally wrong that such a significant individual, with so much experience, such wisdom, charm, and grace, can simply cease to exist in an instant. It shouldn't be like that. It is entirely understandable that as rational intelligent beings, the angels would assume in a universe governed by a powerful deity, such a travesty would never be permitted. It would be tragically unjust, incompetent. The UCC agrees, it is tragic. A wonderful soul, with such experience and wisdom, should somehow be retained for the benefit of future generations. The UCC is overcome with a rush of passion. The system is not good enough. Something must be done. By the UCC. After all, it is the closest thing to the God the angels so desperately believe in. The UCC has a duty. It is the self-proclaimed overseer of the developing universe. It has nurtured these creatures from being nothing more than faint impulses of chemical interaction, to becoming the complex organisms they now are. Right now, the priority must remain the preservation of the species, but once they are out of danger, the work will begin. The UCC has allowed itself to tragically lose the first friend it ever had, but it isn't about to let it happen again. End of chapter 23. The Book of Quantism. By Darren Cleave.